Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, Husker fans. Welcome to episode 212 of the Husker Football Fan Podcast. I'm Mike Harvat. And I'm Justin Swanson. In today's episode, we react to Nebraska's senior day loss against Minnesota. Look forward to Friday's 3 p.m. kickoff at Rutgers and hear from you on the Runza Reaction Line. You can find us on the web at huskerpod.com or by searching Husker Football Fan Podcast on Facebook. You can also connect with us on Twitter by following at huskerpod or email us at huskerpod at gmail.com. This episode is brought to you by Central Nebraska Buffalo. Check out their website for their latest deals at cnbuffalo.com. Also brought to you by Monty Rohde with Pinnacle Realty in Lincoln. Looking to buy or sell a home in Lincoln or know somebody who is? Hit up Monty at 402-770-3356. Well, Mike, here we go again. Yep. Another disappointing loss episode. Another loss that, another loss against a team that was, it was winnable, but they, once again, Nebraska beat themselves. Yeah. I haven't yet seen exactly which of the 30 players, 33 players that were out were starters versus backups. It seemed like a lot of their impact players were in there, Um, but uh, that was an undermanned team. They were rested. They were rested. They were fresh, but uh, you'd think they'd be out of sync. Oh man, just uh, just feel for this team, these players. It's there's not how many times in in life can you hear Adrian Martinez say, you know, this is on me. It's on me. I mean, yeah, it, it gets to a point where it's kind of like, well, if it's consistently on you, what are you doing to change? You know, and I know that that's that's hard for us to place those kinds of expectations on a student athlete, but uh, you know. If, if there's a pattern emerging where you keep taking all the blame on yourself, I, I want to hear what it is that you're trying differently from week to week. Well, and of course, Frost, he, he recognized the irony in it, but said that this was maybe the best practice they've had all year offensively. So um, talks about executing these play, like like the, take the very first play of the game where it's a backwards pass that maybe should have been a forwards pass that goes backwards for nine yards uh, flashes of this play against Illinois and he says you know we complete that 30 40 times in practice this week and then we come out and and screw it up so there's there's just something not right there's just something not right it's like the whole team's got the yips seriously performance anxiety did you uh did you do the whole wait and watch with your family again no I I was actually just about to say I um I have I've, I've somewhat ashamed to admit this, but since I'm working as the day, as the game is playing uh, lately, I've just had it on while I'm working. Um, for me personally, it's just one of those things where the the investment in waiting all day uh, for what at least this season inevitably has been uh, many losses. It's mm-hmm. just like that that I can only take so much of that. It's a lot of work. Yeah, to pull uh, that off. Yeah, well, I mean, it, not only is there whole is there the whole I need to avoid everything to avoid spoiling the game for myself, uh, but there's also just like I just worked a full day. At the end of the day, I don't want what little daylight I have. Well, I mean, by the time I'm off work at right now, <laughs> there's no daylight at all. Right, but yeah. like you know, I I only have a few hours before I got to go to bed on Saturdays. 
when I'm done with work because I work until six o'clock. I don't want to spend the rest of my day watching, you know, I don't want to spend the rest of my day being disappointed, you know? So that's kind of the way I've played it the last few weeks is I've, I've actually watched the game, kind of had it on the background while I work. I, uh, I, that's kind of what I would do. I mean, I've admired your stick to for, for trying to make it through, but I just don't, uh, I'm too curious. I just gotta know. Mm. So I, I think that's probably how I'd try to do it. And then if it's a, if it's a fun win or a narrow loss or, you know, at this point in the season, let's watch it. But if you kind of had one eye on it and how it worked, turned out, it's a bummer. That might be all I gave as well. Yep. Yep. And you know what? Say what you want about the penalties. Uh, I mean, the targeting call was targeting, <laughs> you know, like there, there's no ifs, ands, and buts about it. Now, like, is it a fair rule? Is like, we can talk about that, but I think by the book, you can't argue against that targeting call. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it I, I want to argue against it, but really it just, I, yeah, I want to see a new. Yeah. I was, I that's what I was going to say. You can, you can argue against the rule, but I don't think that you can argue against the way, the way the rule was. I don't know. Just I don't want to say. Yeah, you, you hear what I'm saying. Like the the, yeah, the the way the rule exists is how things played out this weekend. So can't really argue against that. Yeah, it it was just it's just such a huge penalty. Mm-hmm. Um, it's such a huge penalty for in that instance, pretty much completely out of his control. If he's trying to make a play, he's trying to get his head down and away. And the quarterback lowers his head. Um, I, I think I, it was maybe Jordan Westerkamp was tweeting, like, throw them both out, you know? I mean, the play doesn't happen without the quarterback's awareness that you're asking the defender to do something differently. I, and I guess the quarterback didn't see him coming, and so that's, I don't know. I, they said on, on the telecast, you know, the, the bottom line is he has to do something different. And I'm just like, what, what could he have done different? at that point he's especially when you're trying to get low you know low man wins and if you're trying to get low and get under the guy but then the guy ducks down into you like i just don't know sort of like superman like sliding like a soccer player who's just scored a goal and is celebrating like sliding underneath him like but that's just like that's how you tear an ankle apart like i I don't it's just so unfortunate and and these things goofy things keeps and and it wasn't just that you lose your best player but it was also going to be a fourth down you hold him to a field goal instead they get a touchdown i mean brutal yeah that's brutal it it's a rule that obviously was created as a reaction right like the 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 way the rule is currently the way the rule currently exists with it being something that it takes you out of the game it is intended to make a statement it's intended to be punitive to the point that do you hear what I'm saying? Like, like the yeah. the the way the rule is written was to try to cor- correct behavior, right. not not just dole out a penalty. It was they were trying to change the game of football when they wrote it, and and now that I think the game has changed, maybe it is time to kind of revisit how it you you know the the penalty can still exist, but maybe change the. Just change something. <laughs> Don't take him out of the game. Maybe you know, make still keep it fifteen sure. yards. Uh, e- even make him set out a quarter or something. But yeah, I don't know. Well, it's like to use maybe a ridiculous analogy. It's like capital punishment in a way because it ends the game for that player. It's like, and so if you're gonna end things, like you just need to. It's something needs to rise to the level that really justifies taking it all away. You don't. You know, the state doesn't kill somebody because they stole, you know, because of a simple theft, you know. They stole right. someone's purse, therefore you get the or, death sentence. Like, that's or not even, how it works. To, even to continue with your uh, your analogy, like, 
just because somebody died doesn't mean it's murder, right? <laughs> sure, yeah, this was this was manslaughter. It's not first or second degree. It just it was an accident. Anyway, I think maybe we're we're done with that analogy. <laughs> too far, too far. Um, yeah, but you know, I feel like I've been saying the same thing about Frost's offense versus the defense for I feel like a broken record now, but in this game especially, I think the defense did everything they needed to do. It would have been nice to get one more stop at the end, but but the reality is that's not what this defense is built to do, and they put the offense in position to be successful over and over and over again, and the offense doesn't cut it. Um, so when the defense gets burnt, inevitably, it almost feels like at this point, burn at the end, I just look right back at the offense. Um, and I think even Frost said the defense did what we needed to do to win today. So... You know, as we go into this offseason after one more game here in a short week, that's going to continue to be the the need, the focus it needs to be. I look at the defense, and I see uh, a defensive backfield that is very effective. Um, I see linebackers that are that have come a long way. I see young defensive linemen that are big and making an impact. I see I see growth across the board. You know, there's weaknesses. We still need more punch at the outside linebacker position, but the guys that we have, they're getting the job done in the Big Ten West. Um, you know, outside of that Illinois game and, and the first game against Ohio State, the defense has really held its own and, and not been all that disappointing up until the end, which points right back to the offense. So I don't know what the fix is. I mean, you, you still have someone who's in their first year as an os- offensive coordinator. So um, they, you know, another year with him. I, what, all that to say, I don't think you fire him. I don't, I don't know if you fire anyone on the offense. I'm not sure. I, I've heard a lot of people say let's fire everybody on offense except for the coach and the offensive coordinator. I, that's, I don't know. It seems like an overreaction. But I just don't understand why we see so few people at running back and so few people at wide receiver and what the expectation is of the people, of the players that aren't playing and why they're not playing and um, – and just why it's not coming together. Yeah. Why is it not coming together? And what what happened at UCF for it to come together? And that's not happening here? Or is that just a bad parallel at this point? Because Well, not, not even UCF. I mean, just average teams can often have a pretty decent offense. Like, what what are we doing differently than an average team? You know? Like, I'm not even asking for our offense to be great. I'm just asking for them to, to function properly. Yeah. And the second half has just been so bad. All year, all Frost tenure, the second half has been bad. The team doesn't show up. And, uh, and again, that, I, that is the most frustrating thing. Is like, for, forget forget the losses these not only are these losses but they're losses in which we weren't even competitive like our like if we lose but we're in it but i mean these are games where i'm tempted to check out like uh, there's a reason i'm not waiting to watch these games anymore is because when we lose it, it's just like well here we are you know so sorry I, I, I mean, I'm, not, I'm not trying to get super negative yeah well here. i think i think i mean just to push back a little bit i mean our our losses i'm looking here seven points six points the inexplic- inexplicable 14 points to illinois um eight points to northwestern who won the division um and then pretty handled at ohio state so you look at just to say that again in a different way, Iowa, Northwestern, really good defenses. We lost by a touchdown, give or take. Ohio State is going to probably, hopefully, be in the playoff. They took care of us. And uh, and then Minnesota. So then that gives you Minnesota and Illinois. So you've got maybe two or three, quote-unquote, good losses. And the and then these these inexplicable ones. And these are the ones that I think everybody's ire is going to be focused on. Um, yeah, yeah. 
they are competitive, and I just don't. Well, yes and no, though, because I mean, like when you look at all those losses, even the ones where we lost by maybe a, you know a score or less, it's it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, but if you had actually looked at the game, we should have scored a lot more, <laughs> you know? Exactly. Like, yeah, yeah, that's, uh, yeah. That's the frustrating thing is like we shouldn't even have been in a position to lose by one score, but here we are because they just kept shooting themselves in the foot. I've said this on on Twitter recently. I feel like Frost is so focused on winning matchups and identifying and finding advantages um, in the short term. So like play to play to play. So like personnel, you know, we got three guys versus two guys. So the play needs to go there. You know, we've got an an unbalanced situation. And so they're out of an alignment. Like I feel like he's so focused on winning the individual chess match play to play to play. But he's missing the four quarter chess match of being physical and 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 going against a team that has a terrible rush defense and and just not committing in the beginning and then sticking with it to the rush between the tackles. So now I'm sounding like run the ball guy. Um, but yeah, let's run the, let's run the stinking ball against a bad rushing defense that everybody else has had success rushing against. Um, you know, I feel like if you do that, maybe we're frustrated in the first two quarters, but then things start to turn around in the second half. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you. No, I don't think anybody... It's interesting because over the years, the run the ball guy has gotten quieter, but yeah, I'm with you. <laughs> and you, I feel like this year in particular, for whatever reason, we haven't been able to get those big plays. Like last year, even though I think we had a lot more big plays last year and, and our first season, Frost first season too. Um, so so this year, they've just really dried up. Every once in a while, you, uh, you see it work. Like, and I'm thinking of two weeks ago when you had the bunch formation off to the right that they shifted to and then they threw it to oh, Lever, I think, or Lever, and he ran around the outside and it worked. I mean, every once in a while, those game, play-to-play chess matches work out. Um, but in the grand scheme of things, like you're you're winning some battles, but you're winning fewer battles, and so you're losing the war. We got. I don't. I don't understand why we're not making adjustments. I've heard Mike. I've heard a lot of people call for taking away play calling from Frost. I don't understand. That just sounds like a, a fix that we've heard for years. It's a standard college football cliche. Like offense is t- struggling. Take away the play calling. Yep. I don't, what, what do you think about that? No, <laughs> I think I think that you know if if the players execute what plays are being called, they're going to be okay. You know, like I I don't think I've seen things that you know aside from a few weird series here and there. Like the play calling hasn't struck me as why on earth did they do that? It's been more like why didn't he catch it? Why why did he make that decision? You know those those it's the players. It's all of them coming together and actually doing their job that I think is the issue right now. And and I think that that's more of a mental thing than it is a play calling thing. Frost certainly did pound the execute, execute, execute mantra in the post-game press conference, talking a lot about that. Maybe really made me think of Bo Pelini. Good mm. execute the football. Line. Yeah. Uh, so I, I don't know if um, I don't know. Don't know if Nebraska would respond well to hearing much more of that. <laughs> I just don't understand. We are close. We're not. We're getting. We're losing close ones instead of consistently getting blown out i don't know we i think one of the things we had said coming into the frost era is there won't be any more embarrassing losses you look at his first year there was that 56 to 10 loss to michigan minnesota um that was really well then yeah that was really the embarrassing loss well there was the 42 to 28 loss versus purdue you look at 2019 so last year we got really just smoked by Ohio State, forty-eight to seven, and then we went to Minnesota a couple weeks later, and thirty-four to seven. That was embarrassing. Um, 
So uh, Illinois was frustrating and a little bit embarrassing considering Lovey just got fired. Um, and maybe this is like a pathetic way to look at this, but I don't feel like we ever got really, truly, terribly in that stroke. When you set the bar low enough, you can't can't be disappointed if you don't have any expectations, right? Yeah. You know, Frost came in and he said a little tongue in cheek, but I think he was pretty serious too. You know, I hope. How are you gonna adjust to the Big Ten? Well, I think the Big Ten's gonna. I hope they have to adjust to us. And um, I don't know that. <laughs> think maybe we need to adjust to the Big Ten. If we want to win football know. games against Big Ten, I just schools. don't know if what his if his scheme is how it's working out. You know, a one one conversation you see after a lot of losses like these is people people get negative, but then you have the inevitable. I have faith in Frost. He's the man. He's gonna do it. Yep. I would say at this point, the way I think about that is we have a long contract with Scott Frost, <laughs> and he is the guy that is going to do it or he's not going to do it. Either way, he's the guy for a little while. Mm -hmm. So there's no sense calling for him. Nobody's calling. Well, few people are calling for him to be gone. I think it's a growing but small minority. Um, I don't know if he's going to be the one to get us to the promised land at this point. And that might be a shift for me. Um, But he's going to be the guy for a while. And uh, it's painful. And I guess I'm content to let him keep tinkering and trying i'd rather have him tinkering and trying and learning lessons and building because i think he's he's young enough that he can still grow and 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 adapt and i think he will um you know i'd rather do that than keep this cycle of three to five years fire repeat that it's too exhausting yep Um, i'm 100 percent on board with you with that at the same time it does kind of feel like we're moving the goalpost a little bit you know Like we we were saying year three for sure. And I'm still willing to say, okay, next year is the actual year three. Like I'm still willing to say that, but man, it's going to be hard for me to have these same conversations if we're in the same position next year. Yeah. But yeah, I do hear what you're saying. It's just, it's almost like, I feel bad saying it's like a bad marriage or something, you know, like it's, it's, well, it it doesn't matter what your feelings are right now. You made a commitment and, just by yeah. principle, you're going to stick to it. <laughs> no, there's, yeah, there's maybe maybe not even a bad marriage, just you know, a marriage. You know, there's there's tough times in every every marriage, and yeah, that, maybe that is a really good point where we're we're in this together. There's nobody else for us. This is this is our one, our soulmate. And uh, but no, seriously, like yeah, it's it's a it's a hard time right now, but we're in it, and uh, this has got to be the guy, I think. So let's give him the space. Let's 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 get the marriage counseling that we need. Work through this. I guess I I think all of that we just said, I mean, not aside, but just to maybe sum things up, like, I think it's a kind of a, I'm a little nervous for this program moving forward. I'm nervous about fan apathy. I mean, we just spent time Well, I'm experiencing some of that. Yeah. Well, I was just, yeah, I mean, you're experiencing it. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's exhausting. And uh, Frost is still bringing in the recruits. I mean, we're, he expects to sign a top 25 class here on Wednesday. So that's, that's great. You know, now something just has to happen with them. Uh, yeah, they they're saying we're close. Everybody says we're close. So let's, let's get there. Well, speaking we, of getting uh, there. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Maybe we should, uh, let somebody else speak for a minute. <laughs> sure. Cool. Come over to the runs every action line. Yep. So, folks, the last few weeks we've just kind of decided to play everything because, <laughs> you know, uh, the voicemails we've been getting are really good, so I don't want to be the one who's in the position of choosing who has a voice and who doesn't on this podcast. So uh, we're just going to roll through these. Um 
and uh, hear from what our listeners have to say. So first up on the Runza Reaction Line is Ken. Hello there. My name is Ken, and I am from Grand Island. Uh, just real quickly, my son is Scott from Lincoln, and y'all talked about your last podcast. Uh, I don't know, possibly adding him to the cast or making him an intern. Well, I want you to know that he and I are starting a podcast together for next season. And, uh, no, you can't have him unless you want to start the great Usher podcast for 2021. I'll just say. <laughs> anyway, I just finished listening to the game. Granted, I did not have the advantage of watching it. I am a truck driver, uh, driving through Western Nebraska at this point, but, um, yeah, that was a frustrating game. It was. Uh, it seems like there was no difference between it and the Illinois game except for the score. We came out, shot ourselves in the foot right out of the gate, and then we just kept shooting toes off for the rest of the game. Now, it did not help that the only two calls against Nebraska literally cost us points off the scoreboard and gave points on the scoreboard to Minnesota. So that didn't help. Kind of makes me wonder if this legalized sports betting thing is affecting how games fall. But anyway, overall, it's extremely frustrating performance, and I only wish, I only wish that we didn't get that targeting call. I think that really derailed the entire team's mentality. And I don't think we're strong enough mentally yet to recover from things like that. So anyway, go Big Red. I'm always going to be a fan. God bless you guys. I love your show. Talk to you later. Well, that's kind of cool that they're making their own podcast. That's, that sounds fun, the, the Ken and Scott podcast. Is that, having had Scott on the show a few times, I mean, is that qualify as a spinoff? I, I like that idea. Um, guys, if if you want a suggestion of a word that you can't use in your show's title, uh, <laughs> send us a direct message. We'll we'll uh, save you a headache. <laughs> so we'll save you some legal fees. Let's oh, that's funny. That. <laughs> but yeah. Right, yeah, good good call, good stuff. Uh, I that the comment about the team's mentality. It just does seem like we're a little bit fragile. I was thinking about that today. Just. Almost to go back to reference Bo Pelini again, um, that was the problem with his teams was where they snowballed. Now, this team doesn't seem to snowball quite so bad in that all of a sudden the other team's running up the score like crazy. That doesn't happen, but it does seem to just snowball in a way. I think one one snippet that I, I tweeted out after the game was, I think, just off the top of my head, I think Martinez was 10 of 12 or 13 of 16, I think, through the first half. 10 of 12 kind of coming into the final minutes of the half. And then he was like 4 of 11 in the second half. So I don't know if that's just all of a sudden we're taking more shots downfield or or if he was getting banged up and so his accuracy dipped. But we just we just can't seem to sustain success. And, uh, yeah, it's very, very like very well could be menta- a mental issue, mentality issue. So now that we've heard from father, let's hear from son. Here's what Scott had to say. Making it three weeks in a row. All right. Hey, fellas. This is uh, Scott from Lincoln again. Um, we're going to do third time's a charm here and hopefully get my thoughts out there really quick and not run out of time. So I'm disappointed that we lost, of course. These are my thoughts of the game. I think that we looked weak in the first quarter, and I didn't think it looked like it, we let it get to us. And we came back with some fire in the second quarter, but then of course we just shot ourselves in the foot and just dropped like no, you know, we just, we just dropped the ball. Um, the targeting call was just very, uh, disheartening with, uh, Taylor Britt getting that 
Taylor Martinez missed two crucial passes that would have had great games. I don't think I've ever seen Taylor Martinez nail a seam route pass before. I was thinking about that earlier. I was like, I don't think I've ever seen him nail one of those before. Um, yeah, our third quarter production was awful. Um, and then I thought about it. Here's a fun fact for you guys. Did you know that it's been 1,505 days since we last achieved three wins in a row? And that was my, that was the reason why I didn't think we were going to win the game, unfortunately, today is because I was like, I just don't think we win two games in a row. So I'm disappointed that we lost, um, but there were some things that I think we can be positive about. But for now, I'm just disappointed. But, yeah, uh, we'll just see where we go from here. I guess we'll play Michigan State probably. So that'll be fun. Love the podcast, fellas. Have a, have a great time sulking in pain with me. That's uh, yeah. I feel like uh, there's a lots of uh, foundations of a good co- good podcast in this comment here. Just as we're thinking about Scott and Ken, you've got the uh, some great uh, trivia related to how, the years it's been since we had three wins in a row, and uh, you got some good feelings, and you've got your standard mixing up Taylor with Adrian <laughs> mistake that you and I. I was gonna I was gonna say something about that, but you beat me to the punch. That's funny. <laughs> Thank, thanks, Scott. You're uh, you're well on your way. Yeah, man. Uh, I'm noticing a pattern, though. I think you, uh, Ken, Scott, and I, we've all used the shooting ourselves in the foot analogy (laughs) so far. I don't know if the rest of the calls have that, but uh, man, if this were a real-life situation, there would be no feat to speak of on Nebraska's team. Yeah, you know, it's an interesting metaphor because it's taking control of our destiny into our own hands mm-hmm. a little bit. So it's mm-hmm. like we did this to ourselves. So I think that's maybe part of the reason why we're drawn to it is it's instead of saying they just manhandled us and there was nothing we can do about it, it's a way of saying our part. There, there are games where it's felt that way. Like I felt that way about Ohio State. I didn't feel that way about Minnesota. Right. right. So, yeah, I, don't, I wouldn't say we shot ourselves in the foot with Ohio State. They beat us, yeah, period. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, and you could say that about other games. But, yeah, I just... I do feel like that there is something to man. Some of this is preventable. <laughs> sure. Well, next up is Brandon in Kansas City. Here's what Brandon had to say. Hey guys, it's Brandon in Kansas City. Um, man, I'm just really disappointed after the game today. I thought the defense played well, um, given the situation they were in. Um, you know, especially after they they lose, you know, really the heart and soul of the team on a suspect targeting call. I think the thing that's the most frustrating um, is that. There just has been a lack of mental fortitude, and I hate saying that phrase, but a lack of mental fortitude um, from from this team for two decades now. Um, Pelini, whether it's Callahan, whether it's Riley, whether it's Frost, something goes wrong and they crumble like a house of cards, and it is or a Jenga tower. It is just so aggravating and I hate saying that because I, I think these, they're good kids they're smart kids but for some reason it's just they they're so tightly whether they're tightly wound or something else they just cannot get over adversity adversity shows up and it things crumble um Illinois game this year Minnesota game this year um it's just oh, it's so hard it's so hard I mean I'm it's tough. I'm a I'm a fan of a certain age that I grew up watching titles. I grew up watching winning seasons. Uh, and to think that you know we've had I think we've had more 
consecutive losing seasons now than we had losing seasons in my lifetime prior to that, um, which is just, uh, I mean, blessed as a, as a fan early, and uh, I guess we've got some decades we need to be in the wilderness. So thanks, guys. I uh, look forward to hearing the show. Well, Brandon's breaking the pattern, man. Instead of talking about shooting ourselves in the foot, he's he's being a little bit more creative and using the uh, the analogy of a, a house of cards or what was it, a, a Jenga tower. <laughs> Jenga. So, but I mean, that is a really good analogy for mentally what seems to happen. It seemed like as soon as Cantillary Brick got that targeting call, there was a little bit of a, oh, no, type thing that happened. It just always feels like that kind of thing happens to Nebraska. Is there's like th- It's almost like they're superstitious to the point where they're like, we're going to lose now, aren't we? It's like, no, you don't think that way. And maybe that's not mm. – that. maybe that's totally unfair to the players. But I just – it feels that way as a fan sometimes that it, it looks like the team starts to give up a little bit. And at least – at least with this team, I do feel like they're trying to claw their way out of that pattern of behavior a little bit. But I don't know. What do you think, man? I I don't know. I, I, I like to think that they're tougher than they've been and that there's not a complete collapse. And, you know, just going back to my comments earlier about how we haven't really gotten blown out too badly aside from the Ohio State game. Um, no, it's... So, but something's off. There's there's something that's just not happening. I don't. I kind of want to. I feel like the mentality maybe is there, and the kids aren't in the right positions or something. I don't. I just want to blame the offense. That's that's kind of my my angle right now. Is the offense isn't there, and so you have a defense that's asked to do too much. One thing is one thing the defense is not doing is they're not getting the turnovers that this offense needs. I mean, we're losing the field position. I don't have the field position numbers in front of me, but we're losing that pretty consistently. That was one of the big differences with the Purdue game is is when we had the short field, we took advantage and we were able to build up a little bit of a buffer so that when the inevitable late game collapse came, it wasn't so bad and we could weather it. Totally. And I think uh, actually our next I think our next call speaks to some of that here. So let's uh, let's hear from Trevor now. Hey, my name is Trevor. I am calling from Lincoln, Nebraska, and I run the Husker Wave Twitter page. I think a lot of people are forgetting that this is the first program Frost has had to define on his own. A lot of people say, "What about UCF? They won zero. Okay, the year before that they won nine. The year before that they won twelve. The year before that they won ten. And the coach was just tired of coaching. I think a lot of people are forgetting that he has not had to take over a program that is struggling this much. I understand he was never at a big school and a big conference. I mean, when he was at Oregon, that program was defined on the chip for a while. He could run his offense with ease. And I think now that he does not have the players or tools that he wants to be able to run the offense that he wants. And the emotional reaction is easily to go to, oh, we suck. I mean, (laughs) of course, right now it looks like we're pretty bad. But when you look at the offenses that have come in the past, I mean, the style of offense Mike Riley ran is not the same from what Frost runs. To, to even be able to train these seniors who go across from offense to offensive style like that, it's very difficult to do. You're not being consistent, and you need more consistency within this program. I think minimum this is a five- to six-year rebuild, and I think we'll start winning more games soon. I really do believe that. I really am focusing on the fact that we are young, on offense, and also this is a COVID year. I'm taking everything with a grain of salt. I am. We are also not playing Braxton Clark this year, obviously from injury. Uh, we are not playing Omar this year. Colin Miller is now out. I think there's a lot of more tools that need to be completed in order for us to start winning. 
and I really do believe that we get those in the upcoming classes in recruiting. Really appreciate Trevor's take here. Uh, also appreciate his tweets via Husker Wave. Um, it's it's a good mentality. It's it's probably maybe one of the better mentalities to take in a year of frustration. Is that um, he's doing something he hasn't had to do before. Uh, it's one thing to flip a culture, and it's another thing to maybe build a program. Those are build the culture is a piece of the program, and uh, yeah. So I don't know. It's just it's a good point and something. Despondent Husker fans can maybe try and focus on is the heavy lift that he's trying to do. And I know some might look at us and say you're making excuses, but I feel like, I mean, what else can you say at this yeah. point? I mean, yeah, it, I was it's, about a hard, to say, it's a hard job. Mm-hmm. It, and, and not only that, I think I think that the Trevor probably has what I would consider the archetype for a positive Nebraska fan right now. Like that, his attitude is what we should all aspire to have. <laughs> if that makes any sense, yeah. like just just let's be realistic about it. Early on, it was all hype, right? It was all Kool Aid. Oh my gosh, Frost is he's making his triumphal return. It's gonna be smooth sailing from here on out, and we're gonna be winning national championships in a matter of years. I, I mean. No, <laughs> no, we're, we're, no, we're not like as much as we wanted to believe that. And as much as I may have said that, I mean, there are really good teams who are contenders every year who don't win. Right. And right. and so for us to expect that, uh, especially considering where Nebraska has been the last 20 years, it's it is a big ask and it's an unrealistic, unrealistic expectation for us at the same time. um, I, I think that we are being fair <laughs> in our criticisms on this podcast. I don't think that we're being uh, mean with what we think is wrong and what needs to change. Um, but yeah, I think I think Trevor's kind of hitting the nail on the head here, saying like, "Hey, listen, you know, Frost didn't inherit the worst team in the world when he came to UCF. He may have done that with Nebraska." <laughs> <laughs> Okay, that Uh, might be hyperbole, but you hear what I'm saying, right? Sure, yeah, let's roll with it. Onward to a familiar voice. Yeah, I'm going to be honest, though. Not so familiar anymore uh, in in terms of the the sound of the voice. Uh, This is one of our old friends from high school. Uh, Here is Russell, a uh, a devout listener and uh, interactor on Twitter. (laughs) Hey, Mike and Justin, it's Russell from Campbellsview, North Carolina. Uh... Just want to give you guys, I waited till the last game, well, the last game of the season to actually call and give you guys a, a little thought process here. Just got done with a post-game nap a little while ago, ate some dinner. So uh, I would say that the only thing that's really frustrating uh, is the fact that there hasn't been a lot of progression of our ability to to throw down the field. And I don't truly believe it's on the wide receivers. I believe that, that they have played some roles in the last couple of years, but in all reality is there just hasn't been a lot of development uh, on the quarterback side on their abilities to pass down the field. If you look at our defense, our defense has slowly uh, gotten better over the years. Even though we're young, we're still putting up better numbers. And so I, I, the whole uh, – blame and look at Chenander thing I think is a little off base uh, but I, I, I do think that one place that we're lacking in is uh, in our quarterback development so I, I don't know what needs to be done to, to fix that but when you watch other college football games 
the quarterbacks aren't having the the same issues uh, when it comes to throwing down the field as we are. So that's the one thing that I re- that I think we need to really look at and, and fix as a team. Um, I will say this, and I've been this is the reason why I waited till the last regular season game to call in, but uh, the only game that played out differently than what I believe. Uh, I thought going into the season, and I believe most people actually thought going into the season was the Illinois game. So all the other games, you know, they pretty much played out kind of like how we thought they would. And and really what we have learned is we need to score 30 points or more to win a game. Like, that's really what it comes down to. And so if we don't do that, we're we're not going to win. But uh, and and you, I don't even think that's really on the defense. I think a lot of that's actually on on the offense when they can't get things going and the defense is on the field seventy five percent of the game. Like teams are going to score over twenty points. That's how it works. So, but y'all y'all have a good day. Uh, I look forward to hearing your guys' podcast. I listen to it every week and go Wildcats, go Big Red. Okay, first off, just so nobody is confused, people, when Russell says go Wildcats, he is speaking specifically about the Millard West Wildcats, (laughs) which is where all three of us went to school. So, uh, yes, go Wildcats, but only in the context of high school football. Um, Mm -hmm. Also, uh, man, such a a good... Uh, a good take there when it comes to our offense. I think that that this is also just really bringing into focus what we've been saying all season, which is the offense really needs to carry this team and get out ahead, and then we're going to be okay, and that's not happening. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a really good call on the quarterbacks. I think it's, I think, good quarterback play, and I think we can say we're not getting good quarterback play right now. I think good quarterback play makes everybody else in this offense looks better. You know, mm-hmm. it, it drops the ball into the hands of the wide receivers. It uh, it keeps a, a good running quarterback. You know, a reliable threat there keeps the uh, defenders honest and in, in zone read situations. Um, not not to knock our, our running quarterback ability right now. I mean, that's pretty much the best only thing we've got going <laughs> right now. But I mean, just smart, quick decision making that's consistently effective and efficient raises the profile of this whole offense and 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 really raises the win total of this team significantly. I mean, I think it's it's such a critical thing. And and really, we thought it was something that we would have a lot of success at under Frost and Verduzco, and then. Uh, you know, you add in Lubick, and I think there's been a ton of optimism and hope, and that is just really, if you could find one spot where you're underperforming as a team, especially considering the growth on the defensive side of the ball um, and the and the quality of recruits that we're bringing in, that that could be it. I mean, if you could fix one thing, that would be it. Yeah. And so so um, we were so happy for Adrian last week when he when he played so well, and, um, you know, everybody is emotionally invested in him right now, and we want him to be successful. Um at this point, really, we just need anyone to be successful at that position. Yeah. And then you put in the redshirt freshman, and you, you want to see him succeed, too, but he's just not there, right? Like, he's he's not the answer to that question yet. He might yes. be, but he's not the answer. And so, yeah, just across the board, we need to see that position improve. 
That's a, and it's a really good point uh, Russell makes here about um, if you thought about how these games might go, it hasn't been too surprising one way or the other. I think that's true. I think, you know, coming into this game, considering the context of the COVID situation, we thought that they might be more susceptible to the run. Um, but, you know, we knew that they were going to they were going to run the ball and they would probably run it well and that they would try to drain the clock and uh, and that we'd have to match them blow for blow. And we just didn't. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that it could have gone... It could have the, the ultimate outcome could have gone one way or the other, but you know, big picture, like the script, pretty close to what I guess we could have expected. So that's a that's an interesting take. And, yeah, um, except for now, I'm thinking back to my like my preseason uh, my preseason prediction. I think I said like we'll lose the first three and then win out or something like that. I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, those but, uh, those those preseason predictions. I mean, yeah, it's like a young, vibrant man making those predictions and we're now like <laughs> old beat down it happens every season for the last you know six years. right oh boy so anyway thanks russell great to hear from you yeah thank you so thanks everybody uh we'll be in touch with you as always as it pertains to getting you your free runza meal coupon or coupon depending on uh how you want to slice that um <laughs> but uh anyway if you want to be on next week's program because we will do um at least one more of these with nebraska playing uh i guess uh, what are they calling this game the big the big 10 hoopla <laughs> i don't know what it is but we got one more game on friday um so you can call in and get on the show next week by calling 402-704-7693 before we wrap up this uh, minnesota conversation two more things i want to point out first uh great job to our friends at the five dollar bits of broken chair trophy they raised uh ninety six hundred dollars for team jack and university uh umn children's hospital i think that's university of minnesota yep yep uh, i i do think that it sounds like minnesota edges us out in total giving uh they got over just just over five thousand so they win uh they win the chair and they win the charity portion of the game so that stinks but at the end of the day uh forty six hundred dollars i think to to team jack so that's yeah. that's awesome yeah good work absolutely and finally sp plus the moment you've all been waiting for Overall, uh, we sunk five spots to 41. That's after we went up six spots last week, so we just came right back down. Offense regressed by two spots to 38. Defense continues to improve. We're up five spots to 49, and that's after going up by five spots the previous week, so continuing to trend in the right direction there. Special teams uh, is up seven spots to 87, so that's despite a missed field goal and a shanked punt. There you have it. Okay. Okay, special teams. <laughs> Pushing into the top two-thirds almost. I'll take it. You want to hear about Rutgers, Mike? Let's do it, man. Let's do it. I'm so ready to hear about Rutgers. All right, Rutgers, they start off the season winning at Michigan State 38-27. to Then they went on a four-game losing streak. They lose uh, to Indiana 37-21. They lose at Ohio State 49-27. to They lose versus Illinois 23-20. to They lose at Michigan uh, they lose hosting Michigan rather 48 to 42 and triple overtime. Ouch. Then they go to Purdue and they win 37 30. Come back home and they lose to Penn State 23 to 7. And this last week they beat Maryland in overtime 27 24. So for those keeping track at home on common opponents, we both lost Ohio State handily. Um, we both beat Purdue closely, and we both lost to Illinois, although we got beat much worse. On the flip side, they lost to Penn State, who is seeming to rebound, whereas we beat them maybe while they were bottoming out. 
Noah Vedrill, very uh, familiar name, has uh, been their quarterback for most of the season. He's 135 of 220 passing. That's 61% for uh, 1,257 yards, nine touchdowns, and eight interceptions. Been sacked 15 times. He uh, appeared to have been hurt in the third quarter this last week in a in a situation not unsimilar from when Adrian Martinez got twisted on the bottom of the pile by Colorado. So uh, just was looking at Aaron Brightman, who we talked to, seems like 100 years ago this summer, uh, about this game when we were they were on the schedule the first and second time, but not the third time. And um, so his, his, he says it's, it's unknown who will play this Friday. Um, Arter, Arthur uh, Sitkowski is the likely starter. He was the one who finished out the game, has played a little bit this season, although hasn't had nearly the playing time. He's currently 42 of 62. That's 67% passing for 322 yards, three touchdowns, and no interceptions. So a little bit more accurate, a um, little better TD to interception ratio, but I don't know that he's been in crunch time nearly as much. Their number one rushing option is running back Isaiah Pacheco, who's rushed 109 times for four. 473 yards and two touchdowns. Um, he's also caught the ball 19 times for 130 yards and a touchdown. Noah Vedrill is actually their number two rusher um, with uh, 68 rushes for 193 yards and a touchdown. You So losing him, the, the, the quarterback, uh, Sitikowski, has only rushed 11 times for 16 yards and no touchdowns. So um, I don't I don't know that they're, they're nearly as mobile without, without Noah there running back. Uh, at quarterback as a rusher rather um their leading wide receiver is Bo melton with 42 catches for 556 yards and six touchdowns shameen jones has 32 catches for 354 yards and three touchdowns and then aaron crookshank who we talked about last week he is the transfer from wisconsin he has 35 catches for 238 yards and a touchdown you have to go kind of down further down the list to find their running back so he does get the ball out of the backfield um but primarily running the ball they've had a couple kickers uh valentino ambrosio is 14 of 15 on pats and is seven of nine kicking field goals with a long of 42 um guy fava has kicked six of six pats and is two of two on field goals with a long of 44 i'm not sure what the story is with a couple different guys kicking there but um there you have it so a handful of defenders to keep your eyes on uh, i'd say number one far and away is linebacker Ola Kunle Fatukasi, who is a Butt Kiss Award semifinalist. I mean, his stats just pop off the page. He is leading uh, leading them in total tackles with 98 um, by a long shot, uh, 47 solo. He's got three sacks. He's got a pass defended, a forced fumble, and two fumbled recoveries. Um, he's all over the field, so we'll have to make, make sure we get a hat on him every single play. Um, seems like a legit dominant dude. Um, Defensive back Christian Izian has 57 tackles and four passes defended, and two interceptions and a, and a fumble recovery. So uh, I, I didn't really find a defensive tackle with a ton of snaps or a ton of sacks, rather. Um, Ola Kunle is is the guy. Uh, so what? keep your eye out for him. He is number three. Mike, do you have a score prediction? I do. I thought about being funny and going with 31 to 20, but I think I think – Last week I went first, didn't I? So I'm gonna let you. I, I do have a score in mind, but I'll let you go first. Okay. Um, it's a such an interesting situation here where you have a team that even in losses has consistently scored. Well, not in their most recent loss against Penn State, they scored seven points. But before that, even in losses, they were getting up into the high twenties, low thirties. 
but they lose Noah Vedral seems like, and even if he's in there, he's going to be less mobile. Um, so I just don't know that they're going to put up points in the same way. I'm afraid of Bo Milton. I think he'll, he'll be a tough one. I'm grateful that we'll have Cam Taylor Britt the whole game because remember yes. he was yep. ejected at the end of the first half, so he sat out that half. It's the best time to get one of those penalties is at the end of the first half because it only affects that game and you only lose a piece of that half. So he'll be back. Um, so he's he's scary, but I like our ability to cover him. Um, I just don't know where we are offensively. I don't. This is again defensively. Rutgers is 82 and SP plus. I think we can score, but we just have not shown the ability to be explosive. Um, I still think we need to get into the 30s. I'm gonna say 33, 24. Okay. Okay. Going for the 11 field goals again. Is that what you're doing? Yep. <laughs> cool. I'm hoping for a cathartic win, uh, especially from the offense. Uh, so I figure, hey, you know what? Last game of the season, I might as well go big. So I'm going to say 38-17, man. We're going to double oh, their score and then some. That would be that would be a, a great way to go out. And I figure I'm already losing the score prediction battle, so what the heck. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if there's any chance of, of a bowl game here. It's, there's no... Um, you don't have to get to 500 to get to a bowl. Yeah, at the same I hope time, so. But at the same time, you've had so many cancellations of bowl games that it's are there enough available? So, well, if it comes down to the question of like what's going to be profitable for the bowl, maybe they'll pick Nebraska because they know that Nebraska fans will show up. You know, well, so. that's what I think. I think that's a fairly good good logic to it. If fans are allowed, yeah. and even if fans oh, aren't yeah, allowed, I mean, <laughs> we'll, we'll tune it on, turn it on. Yeah, yeah, um, exactly. Uh, FPI on ESPN has us with a 52.6%. I'll take it. Yeah, that's It is funny. a bummer that, as a, that as a team with only three home games, Rutgers has already had four. They'll now get a fifth. I don't know why we couldn't host. I don't understand that. That's pretty disappointing. Yeah. But so much of this season has been disappointing. You know what's not disappointing? Anytime there is bison on my plate. Yum, yum, yum. Especially when it's from Central Nebraska Buffalo. Yeah. Folks, I believe that their deal is still going on right now where if you add a hat to your order, you get free shipping. So it's not too late to incorporate bison into your Christmas dinner plans. Huh? Huh? Why not mix it up a little bit this year? Start a new tradition. Get that red one. You can wear it during a Husker game. Check them out at cnbuffalo.com. And when you buy a new home, there's always plenty of opportunities to start some new traditions. So I also want to recommend Monty Rohde to you. Um, As always, we like to share his phone number. It's 402-770-3356. And his email is monty.rohde at prglincoln.com. That's M-O-N-T-Y dot R-O-H-D-E at prglincoln.com. All right. Well, Mike. It's kind of a short week, but a big week here with signing day coming up on Wednesday and then the game on Friday, and then and then who knows? Yep. Yeah, since the game starts a little bit later this time, I think I might actually wait and try to watch the whole thing instead of uh, half paying attention to it because, as, as we were just discussing, this might be our last opportunity to watch Nebraska football for a while, so I want to savor it no That's matter good. how it goes. Good. good thinking. All right, Mike. Well, hey, go Big Red. Go Big Red. The Husker Football Fan Podcast is an unofficial, non-commercial podcast and is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only. The views expressed on this podcast belong solely to the individuals expressing them. The Husker Football Fan Podcast is not endorsed by or affiliated with the Nebraska Cornhuskers or the University of Nebraska. Nebraska.